Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word and your grace, Father. We pray now that we will do it. It will do what you sent it to do, Father. It will not return void. We pray that this word will go out into the ends of the earth. We pray that this for the upbuilding of your kingdom in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So um, two monkeys were sitting in a tree, and the one monkey told the other monkey, said, man, it is pretty boring around here. I mean, it is nothing happening. And the other monkey said, man, I don't like it when you talk like that. He said, I'm going to stir something up. Something's got to change. So the monkey runs down there. He sees a bunch of lions laid out sleeping. He walks up to the biggest male lion and kicks him just as hard as he can right in the rump. Takes off running. And the further he runs, the lion's catching him. And the closer he gets and the closer he gets, the harder he runs. And then the monkey's swinging through the trees like, I'm, I'm, he's going to catch me. So he sees a human camp. He swings into the human camp. He sits down in a lounge chair, puts on sunglasses, folds out the newspaper. About that time, the lion comes busting into the camp. So, you seen a monkey? The monkey folds the newspaper down and says, that the same one that just kicked that lion in the rump? The lion said, it's already in the newspaper? <laughs> it's already in the newspaper. It is. Uh, good morning, man. This is great. I, it feels like a month of Sunday since I've been right here. Uh, last time I was here, none of y'all were here except for Riley. Um, but I'm glad everybody had a safe fourth and they're back. I'm, I very much appreciate um, Eddie Robinson and his wife and, and what they do for us and, and the message he brought last week. Um, I know y'all have a little bit of a time understanding his accent. I probably have talked to him more than most of the folks in here and it still every once in a while catches me. I don't know if it's his accent or it's his proper English because I don't use either one, right? My accent don't sound like that, and I don't have proper English, so it, it kind of works on me. But I, I'm very ha thankful for what they do and how they do it, um, and it is it definitely a blessing to our church. And I mean, and they definitely sow God's Word around the world, and, and we're indebted to them, whether we fully understand what we have or not. So, so <clears throat> I don't know if you saw it last week or not, but I did a little short message out of, the, um, out of the office, just a little, you know, because we didn't have anything on, on Facebook or on TV. I think we re-ran a, a rerun on t TV, which I don't think God has a rerun. It was just an older message that was brought back. But what I talked about last week was the body of Christ and how much that people have a hole in the inside of them that is a God-sized hole. And what they do is, is they look for ways to fill said hole that does not include the body of Christ. And it's pretty near impossible. And people use all kinds of stuff and, and, and you know, substance abuse and, and, and experiences and vacations. And I mean, even, right, um, they have things that they make look like uh, religion, right? Like I have a couple of softball teams that we're around. They're a cult. They, they are a cult. They believe that they're the only way, right? They have the only stuff that if you don't wear their colors, and I would say the name and about half y'all would go, mm-hmm, that's the truth. But anyway, they try to, to have the, it's tough to say this nicely, the religious part of the family group brought together around their common goal. And all of those things, whether it's any kind of club or, or group or any, anything, that, that, that tries to give you that family group built out of a relationship around a common goal, it's only a shadow of this. This, the body of Christ, 
is what that is fashioned after. Now, you can, you know, I, I'm talking about biker gangs and bash fits, fishing clubs and anything. Anything that the people come together and go, well, we're closer than family here. I mean, we say it on, on our little softball team, right? We have family that's here, and we have church family, and then we have softball family. But the truth is, is that family is only a shadow of what this is, right? Because this body, the body of Christ, is number one. It should be number one. And to such means that where if you don't have this, not, not, not this in St. Stephen, this. This, the gathering together of believers. This, the fellowshipping with the body of Christ. This, the coming together and worshiping together. This, that I can count on this group of people to show up and do when I need, right? If you don't have this, you're always lacking and you can't really figure out why. So we're going to go through some scriptures to talk about some different parts of who we're supposed to be in the body of Christ. Because he is... If something happens inside this body, right, if we have a, a passing or, or, or a, a, a shower or a whatever, right, we show up and help. That, that, that body is it's invaluable. Man, I'm trying to be so nice with this, and I don't know if it can be nice. But sometimes if it happens outside the four walls, we're not as in tune, and that's tough. It's tough to where, you know, look, there's stuff that happens every day, right? I mean, we got y'all people that still have home phones. A lot of y'all that still have home phones got calls this morning, right? There's a lady that went missing. They're having a silver alert, and they're looking for her right now, currently, unless they found her since we've been at church, right? And we are in touch with that to some extent, but, I mean, I don't think... Anybody went there instead of come here this morning? Maybe they did. Maybe that's where some of our folks are. But it's hard for us to be in tune with the rest of the world and their needs. And it's something that we have to be more, it's not vigilant, vigilant. it's diligent in finding the, the needs around us. So we're going to read a, a couple of scriptures, but I'm going to start with the gospel according to Luke. <clears throat> And this is a this is a toughie. Uh, chapter ten. Uh, we'll we'll start with twenty five because that's where my little section in my Bible starts. On one occasion, an expert of the law or a high upstanding church person stood to test Jesus and said, "Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? All right? What can I do for works?" And Jesus said, "What is it written in the law?" He replied, and how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered, you have answered correctly. Do this, and, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Is my neighbor included in this group of people? Is my neighbor the people who live on both sides of me? I mean, some of y'all don't even got them, right? Some of y'all don't got people that live on both sides of y'all. Man, isn't it great to live where we live? We don't got people who live on both sides of us. I got one set of neighbors. They're kind of rough. Right, Carrie? Yeah. <laughs> That's new. That's new. But who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? 
It's a pretty easy question, right? Because if you read the commandment to love your God with all your strength, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, some of y'all don't like yourselves all that much, but, but that's not what he was going for at this particular thing. So who is your neighbor? And Jesus replied. <clears throat> now, he didn't answer. He figured it was easier to give him an example. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, <clears throat> came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to the inn, and he took care of him. And the next day he took, him, took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, and when I return, I will re reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? Now that's pretty tough, right? Because what Jesus did was his, he used examples from people in different walks of life. And if you were closed-minded or set in that situation, you would have picked the first guy first, definitely the second guy second, and the third guy third. Right? The person who helped was the least likely person to help in their mind. And so Jesus scrambled their whole ideology of who is and who isn't, right? I mean, the different, I mean, the Samaritan in general is different country, different color, different walk of life, different everything. That person stopped and helped the person in need. The other two, when I, I went to um, the University of South Carolina and I got a business degree and, and I learned some stuff, but not a lot. But one of the things that I learned is, is, is the biases. The, I don't know if y'all ever heard about all the biases, but there are biases and one of them is called the just like me. Like if you're hiring somebody for a job, one of the HR biases is just like me, which means if I were to interview somebody and then some short, fat, bald kid who would live from the country, walked in, I am more likely to hire them because they're just like me, right? <clears throat> we have that, I mean, I'm sure y'all don't, because if you're pretty girls, you don't hang out with pretty girls, or you're an ugly old boy, you don't hang out with ugly old boys. I mean, you know, your friend, think about your friend group and see how much they look just like you, act like you, talk like you, walk like you. See, that's the bias, the just like me. Well, the first two folks that he talked about, the Levite and the priest, those are the people that he is standing in. He's standing there talking to them. And he said, you and you walk past him in the road. And the person that you don't think is good enough to stand in this group took care of him, mended his wounds, paid for his night's rest in the hotel, paid for his food, right? So that just like me bias all of a sudden becomes really big to this group. And, you know, he hurt the guy's feelings because the guy wanted to tell him, he wanted Jesus to say, right, this is the interpretation or the, 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 the example, he wanted Jesus to say, your neighbor is the folks that go to church with you. Your neighbor are the people that are the same Jews from the same tribe, 
who believe the same, who dress the same, who walk the same, who talk the same. That's your neighbor, and you don't have to worry about the rest of the world. Right? That's what the guy wanted to hear. He wanted to hear, I only got to be nice to my people. And Jesus went 180 degrees in the wrong direction and said, no. You have to be nice to the people who don't look like you, who don't walk like you, who don't talk like you. See, the body of Christ is not consisted of people that look just like us. And in this example, the neighbor, we don't even know, right? So what did the neighbor look like? Does anybody know? Because when you start off in the first sentence, it says a man. A man, a person, a human being was walking from one place to another place and got beaten and beat up and robbed. And these three people walked past him. One helped, two didn't. So when we look at the body of Christ, even if you say our family only includes the people who believe like us, worship like us, have the same values, have the same political ties. If, even if you try to put it into a group, it doesn't count. Our neighbor is, see, it goes back to that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That our neighbor is people who are human. And that's the extent of it. So if you read this again of what the commandment says is, is love your God with all your heart, with your soul, with your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you'll take neighbor out and put and love humans as yourself, then it now. It's not an easy, this is not an easy thing to do, right? I mean, anybody think that I love all humans just like I love me? No matter what walk of life they are, whether they're young or old, black, white, yellow, green, pink, purple, whether they believe like me, whether they walk like me, whether they talk like me, whether they line up with my values or not, I love them all exactly the same. If you do, if you raise your hand, come up later and I will pray for you because that is not the truth. But Jesus did. Jesus did. He loved all humans the same. All. A-L-L. And that's a pretty big deal, right? That's a pretty big step, pretty big measuring stick. But that's the goal. Because look here, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a white section and a black section and a yellow section and a green section and a blue section. There's not going to be an old section and a young section. There's not going to be a this race or this descendants or, or they're Asian or they're Hispanic. or they, There's not. There's going to be the body of Christ. It's all-inclusive. The people who dress funny, the people who sing funny, Stephen, I mean, everybody's going to be all in the same group, right? Nobody's going to be separated out. I told Stephen, he, he and my office door have a couple things in common. Both of them have a couple of loose screws. I got to fix it. It's, it's, it's leaning. All of us are going to end up in the same body of Christ. And our goal as the body of Christ is to extend the family. The, the great thing about our missionaries, I mean, with Philip and Scott and Eddie, their sole goals in life, 
Their goals and their ministry is expanding the kingdom of God. All three of them do it differently. All three of them go about it in a different manner. Some even on different continents. But our goal with those missions is to expand the body of Christ. And let me tell you something. If we can not get past our differences and see that, man, I'm going to tell you, I, I watch a lot of folks preach on TV and, and, and not on TV anymore, on the Internet. I mean, who's got time to watch TV? But it's, I see more and more folks trying to be exclusive. If you don't teach like us and sing like us and read this version of the Bible and do this and do that, then you can't be in our club. I mean, the idea of denominations as a whole separated the body of Christ for what reason I still can't figure out. But the more exclusive you think you are, you're right. You're exclusive. Because you're excluding yourself out of the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is made up of big churches and little churches and old churches and new churches and people who have lasers and smoke screens and people who still play the organ and sing hymns. The body of Christ is built of many, many, many different kinds of pieces. And our whole goal, 100% of the time, should be expanding the body of Christ. The family needs to grow. And look, family grows, right? We have little children. Children get bigger. They become believers. The family grows. That's one way to grow the family. The other way to grow the family is from the people that are around us in the community. <clears throat> Let me tell you, people are scared to come to church. People are scared to come to church because they believe they're going to be judged. You can believe it or leave it alone. People will not come to church because they are worried about what people might say about them. And that is a stigma that the church has earned over years and years and years and years. Not this church. Maybe. Not exclusively this church. But until we become receptive and open and loving to all of our neighbors, to the humans. You know when Jesus sat and talked to people, he sat with tax collectors and thieves and prostitutes and all these not cool people. And you know what the people in the church said? Look at him sitting over there with them trashy folks. You know he can't be of God. He was God in the flesh. His sole goal was to come here to die for my sins. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to try. Uh, uh, um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 25. Um go up half of 24 but anyway but god has put together the body giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it 25 there's a comma there it's not even that was the beginning of the sentence so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other so if one part suffers every part suffers and if one part is honored every part rejoices with it we have to do our best to eliminate the division in the body of Christ. The enemy is already attacking us on all fronts. We don't need any help tearing down, right? 
Granddaddy used to say that the only thing on the planet that killed its weak and young were Christians, right? You know, hunt them down and beat them about the head and neck with the gospel. Tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. Now, look. You can read all of the Pauline epistles and you can talk about correcting people when they're in sin and all that. I get it. I understand. But those are seasoned members of the body that we're correcting. That is not new believers. If you took Odin and you put him in a foot race with about anybody in here, he loses. Why? He just got here. He can't, can he walk? He can't walk, right? No, he can't walk. Little tiny something. He can't walk. He can't even walk, right? He loses every time. Why? Because he's not going to be a fast runner? No, I bet he is. He's a little baby. He preached, son. As we growing up together, right? So you can't take new believers and try to hold them to some unrealistic expectation that you have when you can't go say, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's that whole thing when Jesus was talking about, you're talking about a plank, or you're talking about dust in your brother's eye, and you have a plank sticking out of your eye. It is so easy to judge what other people are doing. It is so easy to try to tear down the body of Christ when we live and what we live in. And well, you know, I don't really do bad. I mean, I do as good as I can. But we judge this body, the body of Christ, has to be a warm, loving family has to be it has the body of christ comes together for one reason right to building up the kingdom of god and we do not gain people in the family by telling folks why they're not qualified to be in the family think about it think about going and telling people you know you drink too much and you smoke too much and you cuss and you run around and you got tattoos and you do this and you do that or whatever other reasons you can come up with you think that good christian folks aren't supposed to have and they looking at you going judge much It is extremely valuable for the relationship of the family of God to be close-knit out of love and forgiveness and grace and kindness. And for it to grow, it has to have love and grace and forgiveness and kindness. It will not grow if it is bitter and judgmental and short and cold. In that little seven-minute thing that I did from the office the other day, I made a statement. And I said, if you need somebody to love on you, if you come to this church, we will love on you. I stand by that statement. It does not matter what you look like. It does not, ma- it does not matter where, what you look like, where you come from, how much money you have, how you dress, how you act. This church will love you. To the best of our ability. I mean, we will do everything we can. We will make you feel like this is home. Because that is our job. That is our job when we go everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Let me tell you why. The gospel according to Matthew. Um, Chapter 25, verse 34. And the king will say to those on his right Come, for you are blessed. Be, 
I'm going to try that again in English. Come and you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. And I needed clothes and you clothed me. For I was sick and you looked after me. Well, I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, the least of these who? My brothers and sisters. For whatever you did for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now, that's pretty tough. Because I think about my brother and sister and thinking about them being hungry or in prison or, well, hopefully Philip stays out of prison. I mean, hungry or not clothed, right? I'm just teasing I can't imagine the idea of seeing my family in that situation, right? It, it is very hard. But Jesus is talking, he said, if you did it to the least of my families, of my members of my family, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. If we are in the body of Christ and we are about his business, the least of these, I don't even know where you start to find the least of these, but they got to be on top of our list. Because that next section, that next section is tough. <clears throat> and the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me. You who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. For I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. For I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. For I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you in this way? And he replied to them, truly, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to their eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So if you don't think that it is imperative for us to show up and be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the person who is loving our neighbor, to be the person who is trying to extend the family, who is showing God's love and mercy and grace and kindness, then I ask you, I implore you, go home and for yourself, in whatever version of the Bible you prefer, reread Matthew 25, 34 to 46. Because if you can tell me, after spending any amount of time reading those scriptures, that you don't think it's imperative for us to be worried about the folks that are outside of this room and the folks that are inside of this room, you are sadly mistaken. The least of these. See, I love it when Jesus talks about people because he didn't say what they looked like, how old they were, where they come from, how they acted, how they voted, what they did, 
who they were around, who their friends were. It says the least of these. It's kind of like the guy that was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was just a man, a human. A human, that's it, a human. What qualifies you to be part of the body of Christ? You have to be a human. And then you have to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, right? There's another step. But what qualifies you to be in it? You have to be a human and live in the world, right? God loved the world so much he sent Jesus to, to die for us. God loved humans so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And he is so worried about the least of these humans. The least. Not what you did for the president of the bank. Not what you did for the politician. Not what you did for the lawyer or the engineer or the pharmacist or the doctor or the nurse. Not, not those people. I'm not excluding those people. But for the least of these now, I'm going to tell you, you can be the most outwardly successful, rich, wealthy, whatever you want to call it, person of affluence, and not have Jesus, and you still qualify as the least of these. Because without the adoptionship into the body of Christ, without the sonship, without being heirs and joint heirs with Christ, you're still going to be pushed to the left. You're still going to be in the group that goes internal damnation. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <clears throat> Quick story and I'll wrap up. I don't want to be too long. There was a barber who was an atheist. And he said he could not believe in God, that there was a God, because so many people were hurt and, and, and messed up, and God allowed that to, to happen. And one of the guys sitting in the barbershop said, I understand what you're saying, but, it, but you're wrong, and I'm going to prove it. And so he walked outside, and he found a bum laying on the street. And he said, come here. And he walked him inside and stood him in the door, and he said, I don't believe in barbers. He said, what do you mean you don't believe in barbers? He said, I can't believe in barbers. If this man hair, man's hair looks this bad... If he is this disheveled, if he is this not taken care of, there can't be a barber anywhere. And the barber said, well, how can I help him if he won't come in and let me help him? And that's it. But our job is to go into the streets and find those people. Find the people who need help. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this message. Father, we know that it will go out. It will not return void, Father. We pray for vision and guidance to where we can be in the place of the Samaritan, Father, where we can be in the place we need to be, and where we can take care of the least of these. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.